Welcome back to another episode on the Smoke Pit. I'm joined today with my lovely co-host, Jamie, and our special guest, Peter Stegmeyer. Is that said correctly, Pete? You nailed it. Okay, we're good. Probably the first so, one to ever get that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. And I, everybody screws my name up, but it's all good. So today we're going to talk to Pete about, one, him being a veteran, two, his comedic life now, and then just shoot some shit, stuff that came around the Smoke Pit when he was in, in the Army. And Jamie, it's all you. Take over. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, no, it's always good to you know sit down and bullshit with another uh, another army vet. So on that note, you were you were army infantry. I was army infantry. When did you go in, and what on earth compelled you to do that? Um, so I I had a few things. I, I went in November of 2006, uh, and I got out in uh, 2014. I had a few reasons for joining. Like, number one, like nine eleven was like the first first day of my senior year of high school, so it kind of seemed like, oh well. I had like you know grandparents in the service. I had an uncle that was in the navy, so we like count that like for half credit. Also, because it was the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> kind of something that was always like in like on the back burner in my mind, and then it just kind of seemed like a good thing to do. But then I had a sinus surgery when I was in high school just to like remove a polyp and for some reason that like made me wait four years with like all the map stuff so yeah I kind of just like worked a cable guy job did a few other things and was not really satisfied with where I was so when my time to be able to enlist came back up I'm like you know I this is something that you know I should I should go ahead and do nice good stuff man no I I can I can relate man that uh, 9-11 was towards the end of my senior year in high school as well I grew up on Long Island, man. You know, my, I had two parents that worked in the city. I was convinced both of them were dead for most of the day. I could literally, I went to a park down the block from my house later that day and just saw the smoke billowing off of Manhattan, you know, from across the water. It was the thing to do. You know, I, I tried college. I did uh, less than a year. You know, I was commuting into into John Jay, which is, you know, midtown Manhattan. Oh, that's where I went. And did you? You went to John Jay too? Yeah, after uh, after I got out. No shit, man. Small world. I I ended up going back there after I got out too. That's that's wild, man. Is uh, I mean, it was different. It was different. You know, now they got the the veteran center over there. They got amazing resources. Yeah, when I first went in, it was insane. The commute was wild. You know, people on the subway. I don't know if it's the same for you after nine eleven kicked off, but people on the subway had backpacks full of like food and water and batteries and radios, just in case. You know, it was a it was a terrible time to be a New Yorker. They were taking trash cans off the platforms because they'd effectively become bomb drop boxes and eventually it was like okay you know what i can i can keep going to school i can stick stick around here and wait to get blown up stateside or i can you know kick off overseas wait to get blown up over there and take a few <laughs> out with it if possible yeah that's that's fair expedite the process of that uh, yeah. but yeah that's that's crazy i remember like seeing too like they had like i was in wisconsin at the time so the the environment was like totally different but all the media like all the the news stuff was always like new york based and they they had like the guys with like the backpack like parachute things or it was like hey like if if your building goes on fire just like fall out backwards like a scuba diver and it's like an air like it was it was insane insane yeah like really really small town like people started freaking out about like if they saw like a plane flying low and it was like it was really wild to see what uh what it was i mean I'm, I'm literally getting goosebumps thinking about the first time i saw a plane in the sky after 9-11 and the anxiety that i felt where's it going who's flying that thing it, it it's insane man it's insane and unfortunately for me i was laying in bed in okinawa japan when we got the phone call we actually were watching wow. it on i was still active duty watching it on tv we're like we thought it was a joke initially we're like what's going on here and then eventually we kind of watched TV a little bit longer, and next thing you know, the phone rings. So I'm like, okay, guess it's shit's gone. And you were active. I mean, that must no, have I, been like, okay, this is real. Yeah. Like, we're, we're playing for keeps now. I mean, what, yeah. what was <clears throat> Shit just got real, real quick, and we're going to go figure out how tough you really are and see if Call of Duty really can help you out in real life. <laughs> Which it don't. And shit don't work. No, I am awful at Call of Duty. <laughs> I, I, I can't. People say, why don't you play it? And I'll tell you why I don't play it. It's not. To me, it's not exciting. There's no gratification on Call of Duty or it is other war things well, that I can no sit there wolf. and play. 
you yeah, you're not going to get hurt. There's no, no. there's there's no adrenaline rush. How's that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. None at all. The fun, yeah. the adrenaline rush, the excitement comes from that you know something to lose vibe. You know, even an airsoft or, or paintball, like you might get hurt, it might sting a little, you yeah, might get an owie. That's that's enough to keep it excited. <laughs> it's not the same thing as the fun of being there, real life, and thinking, yeah. oh, get that oh shit factor, spin a diamond out of your ass because you don't have coal up there. It's just a bunch of turds <laughs> you got together, got a diamond. <laughs> uh, it works out. Works out great for us old old guys, you know. So aside from Call of Duty, Pete, where else did you deploy? I ended up deploying twice to Afghanistan. First in 0809 in Kandahar province. And then the second deployment was pretty much all of 2011 in Ghazni province at uh, like Fab Four Corners in the Andar area. Okay. And who who are you with? What the what unit were you with? Uh, so both of those were with uh, two two infantry, like third brigade, first ID. Okay. And so we we started like we were kind of the army's like bastard unit for a bit because we got spun up like two years early, and so like originally we were supposed to go to Fort Knox, and the army just didn't have room for us. So they're like, well, like there's there's open uh, open barracks in Texas, so we went to Fort Hood, and we stood up there did our train up and deployed, came back. And then like six months later, they're like, yeah, you got to get off the base. And so then we moved the unit to, to Fort Knox and redeployed again. Wow. It was, it was fun though. It was a So what role did the military play, particularly deployments in sort of, you know, shaping your sense of humor and, and your application of humor? Oh, that's a, that's an awesome question. I think there were a lot of different factors. Like number one, I think humor just became like the de facto stress reliever. Uh, and it became like a good way of acknowledging that like a situation was shitty and that you couldn't really do anything about it except laugh. Yeah. And so like, we, we like have like a, like a truck get hit by like an IED and you know, everybody was okay. Like luckily, but someone would be like, I just watched this thing like three days ago. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just, it kind of became like a good situation, but I, I feel like humor is just like such an intrinsic part of the military. Like, cause even, even in, in basic, like going through like the shark attack and stuff like that, it's just like a one-sided roast battle and they're so good at it. Like I, I was like a fat kid in high school, but like I got hit with an insult, like minute one of the army that like, they never came up within like 12 years of like going to school with me. Like they called me Oscar Meyer instead of Stegmeyer. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, these guys are really good at this. <laughs> well trained is what they are. <laughs> You're like, I could learn something from these assholes. And just like the funny, like the funny, like, like phrasings that they had, or like when, when you couldn't like do anything. So you just like tell like, your platoon screw up to like go outside and apologize to a tree for stealing oxygen. Like that stuff is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and the average person doesn't understand those nuances you have in boot camps, especially no. you know, in Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, depending on what direction you go. But it, it's there's life lessons that you have, whether if you go to boot camp, that you're gonna remember for the rest of your life. Nine years old, sitting in your reclining chair, telling your great grandkids, this is what happened to Pappy or Grandpappy, whatever you want to call yourself. But yeah, it's Boot camp's unique. It puts you in perspective. It finds out one who you are as a man in some cases. And yeah. the other two is that, you know, you are fucked up like two football bats. And these guys are going to fix that for you. If not, they're going to put that football bat up your ass and make you walk <laughs> like a real person. Like, get out. Yeah, it'll get you to stand up straight at least. Yeah, see. Yeah. We'll give you, we'll put you in a tensor for the rest of your damn life. But so what, what made you get out though? I mean, you, you experienced it. You got to do what every normal man does, what well, wants to do. And you were able to go in there. Do you seven and a half years, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then kind of feel yourself and then get out. Was it because of the smoke pit comedy that you had? And someone said, hey, dude, you need to go out in the room with this stuff. You know, I I wish that it was. um, But uh, it was really, it was just like a few few things. Because on our second deployment, it was in May. Like, so it was like four or five months into our deployment. Like, we found out that bin Laden died. And I always thought that was funny because like, they never like the army never told us, like I found out from TV, like in, in the talk. That's intel for you. And like, I figured we'd at least hold the formation, but I think it was that. And then just kind of being like, okay, well that's done. And I'm not really sure what else to, to do. Cause I was seeing to an extent, I felt like a little, 
a little like tied up by like you know the fact that like i think everybody there like felt like we could have been making more of a difference yeah but we were just kind of you know restricted to like okay go patrol this village you know and we were doing like good things on that scale but it just like i i felt like at that point i was just kind of ready for new things and so um they were going to send me on a extension or they wanted me to do an extension to uh to go to Hawaii or germany for three years after like after uh the deployment and at that point i just uh just started uh talking to my then girlfriend now wife and kind of just figured that it was time for the next chapter i think we all that. you couldn't have been freaking hawaii dude Germany. No, I just took Germany in a heartbeat. I'm I, right now, Germany probably. wasn't on the table. Like in Hawaii, like anytime I go to the beach, people like start splashing me with water and trying to get me back in. So yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's comical. I think everybody joined, like for me, I, I joined the Marine Corps to kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Piss off my father. He's a Vietnam veteran. And Jamie's heard the story. <laughs> uh came home drunk one night, was all pissed off of the world, you know, I'm out of college trying to work and all I did was drink and smoke. So, yeah, Marine Corps commercial came on. I'm like, hey, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. My dad's exact words, dude, they will, they will beat your ass in the Marine Corps. You won't make it two weeks. Well, then 26 years later, I said, I don't know who won that bet, but, man, no, I got a goddamn good pension. I just sit home and do nothing. <laughs> so I guess that's, we won that bet. That's but that's you, actually pretty funny because it was yeah. it was similar with me. You know, post 9-11, I, like, I, like I said, I knew I wanted to. I, I was leaning in that direction. And then one day I was sitting at home after after I got back from John Jay actually, uh, and it was it was like an SF commercial. It's like you're you know these dudes on on an Overwatch somewhere looking down glass. It's like it's you prepared for a three day mission to do X Y Z, and it's day fourteen. Do you have it in you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know what I fucking do? Actually. I can do this. God. Yeah. Next thing you know, I was on the phone with the recruiter. Well, it's weird you're saying that because have you guys seen the political climate with SOCOM? What's been put out? about trying to get rid of the burly bearded oakley wearing dude have you seen that i have not no. yeah so there's a lieutenant colonel female who came out uh, i think two weeks ago it's on the internet you can find it who's basically saying we have to get away from the traditional you know bearded burly dudes wearing oak leaves and come down to the kind of gentler in a sense is what she's saying and get those that don't look the part to be an sf because i said it multiple times you walk into a room and you can look at people's faces and go that guy is something special. There's something about him that he's done X or Y, you know? And now they want to say that you need those burly bearded Oakley wearing bulls boys down there because that's what makes us stay safe. It's not the politicians or these officers that want to try to dictate how we want to go in our, our life with the, the military. But now take SOCOM, who's the elite of the elite, and say, oh, by the way, I'm going to put handcuffs on you, put people that aren't quite qualified in positions to make this is for you downrange. That's the best did, one. So, so when you say people that aren't qualified, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you don't mean that. You know, the defining characteristic of an operator is the beard. No, no, the old so, like, You're a you man. You can't qualify. Like what? What? what yeah, who's who's getting pipelined in? That's that's not qualified. Well, that's the thing. It, the, the way she put it in perspective is that to get into SF or get into Marsoc or the SEALs or the PJCCTs, it's rigorous. It's PT. I mean, they're firehosing you for, depending on what school, like Marsoc's a good example, because I know it well. You're doing nine months of me kicking your face in. And then, oh, by the way, when you're done, I'm going to send you to language school. So we're crushing you. So mentally and physically, if you're not attuned to what's going on, it's bad. And it hurts. <laughs> you know, so. It doesn't make sense about this, though, is, you know, when you show up for whether it's USAF selection or, or uh, uh, Marsoc or BUDS, you show up clean shaven, right? Like yes, you, you show up looking pretty. It's yeah. it's not like these big burly dudes that fit the mold or are you know just show up and I'm I'm taking a up it's like, oh, hey, you look the part good to go. No, you yeah. go through this pipeline, you do the missions, you get the experience, and then you end up looking like it's just it's a byproduct of the work, I'm assuming. It's the growing up in the community. Burly bearded. So yeah. I I mean shit, you could feed these clean cut dudes through the pipeline, sure, but I mean, what's I'm? Um, I guess I got to look at whatever this this colonel is saying. Yeah, right now I'm not really not really well, making sense of it. Well, just to, so I don't want to bore you, Pete, but just to make it clear, she was basically saying those that are not, don't look like those typical burly bearded Oakley wearing dudes. Well, if you pass a screen test, you have the right to command anything, but you can't be a commander of something you've never done done downrange yourself. 
in order to That's push it. those guys in that direction. I don't give a shit who you are. If you haven't done it, you can't direct it. That's just the way it is. You yeah, can like, geez, you're the same way, dude. If you don't write your stuff out script wise before you go on stage, what happens? It usually does not go well. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll try. Like I, like I've got enough muscle memory at this point, but like you got to <laughs> yeah. fall back on it. Like you still like you know doctrine. Rely on doctrine until you can't. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's that's all commuted across how we look at everything we do in our daily lives. If you don't try something new, you kind of think about it. get on YouTube, figure it out. Like we did my sunroof yesterday, just fucked it totally up. <laughs> I mean, my my uh, my truck is outside with a big blue tarp over it because we broke the two rail systems that pushed the window forward. And back. Oh. <laughs> Trying to save four thousand dollars. Well, guess what's going to happen? <laughs> going to Ford and have him do it for $4,800. But yeah, it's just everything in life is predicated on that. What, you know, I can't do something I don't know yet, but get my muscle memory, 3000 counts and I'm good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But tell us some more about you, Pete. What's some cool concerts? I've done some unique ones for sure. I've, I've done a couple like really like awesome shows. Like I think probably like a couple of the coolest ones were uh, shows in Vegas on like top of the Mandalay Bay which is, wow. yeah, it was, it was really cool. And then there's a show called Dirty at 1230, which is like 1230 every Friday night at a casino. And then uh, like, that's really fun. There were like, you know, probably five, 600 people at that show, which was just amazing. And then before that you do a show on top of the Mandalay Bay at like the, the House of Blues. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy. Cause like the House of Blues is like still going, like the party's going on. Like Charles Barkley like walked in for a minute and was just kind of like looking around. Yeah. It was really cool. But I, I think like I've I've been lucky because I got to do a lot of other like cool shows. Like I did like in Gunnery in Korea, I did like an hour on like the back ramp of a Bradley, just like uh, while everybody was waiting for stuff to to happen in Korea. And that was like that one was really fun. I've gotten to do some awesome shows for like Wounded Warrior Project. Any of the coolest shows are the ones where man i sound corny as hell um but the ones like where afterwards like people come up and like man like you know you put into words like what i've been feeling but couldn't you know couldn't figure out and you know i i feel this like you know i i get it and i just like i i love hearing that like especially from like veterans that are like struggling and stuff like that and they're like yeah no this is this is exactly what i was feeling i'm so glad it's not the only i'm really glad it's not just me so you must have read Jamie and I's notes, Dan, about the segue into mental health, military, you know, your shows, how many people come up to you and kind of embrace the fact that one, what you've done on stage, but also two, that you're a prior veteran and have had those, those sense or those feelings, I guess you'd call them I'd be in a bad place or bad position. So what, how do you tell these guys, what do you kind of give to them to help them out? Well, I, I think a lot of the help comes from, them realizing first and foremost that like they're not alone and that like yeah. these things because i think one of the things that like really sets us up for failure is they don't really tell you what like when you're in the military like you have like the suicide prevention training and stuff like that but even that is like a little lacking it's you know pretty much like hey if your friend starts like giving his stuff away you know like look out they don't really d tell you anything about what ptsd looks like when i got out like i I just assumed that it was like, you know, like the forties, like shell shock or, you know, that you'd like wake up in the middle of the night with like nightmares and a cold sweat and like scream or like, you know, just like the, basically what you'd see on TV, but learning that there's like so many different flavors. Like for me, it like, I have like really bad short-term memory loss. I have like really bad depression a lot of the time. Uh, and I didn't know that those things were related. And so I didn't know, like, oh, I need to get help for my PTSD because I didn't, I didn't think I had it. And it really wasn't until, like, my wife as a therapist, and she's like, no, like, you, you need to go, like, get help. That I was like, oh, like, I, I had no idea. Like, I knew things, like, weren't great, but, like, I didn't realize that that's what it was. And I think a lot of times, like, people will come up and say, you know, that really just validated what I'm feeling. And, you know, this is, okay, like, I'm not going crazy. And it's it's hard too because like we we have each other to talk to which is which is awesome and like that's like one of my favorite things about like the brotherhood of like veterans it's like you can always like call people up but a lot of times it's it's hard to to get them to open up or to to be able to open up yourself so I think yeah. I really enjoy being able to like 
kind of do that first and then like make an ass of myself while I do it. <laughs> and then people are like, Oh yeah, like I could, I could like, you know, go talk to somebody. And I always, I always say to you, like, I'm not a professional, like by any means. So, you know, but I can point you to some groups that, you know, got me in touch with professionals and like that helps a lot. Well, you, you said something very interesting earlier, you know, when we were talking about using, using comedy on deployment and that's that, you know, comedy was a great way to acknowledge that something is fucked up without having to dive too deep into it and, and acknowledge it too much. I know how hard it is to recognize that like, hey, there's something fucked up inside of me that I need to get fixed. Yeah, the first time I went to the VA was years after my last deployment. And, you know, it, I was sort of pressured in there by my, by my, you know, ex-wife now. I show up, I park, I walk inside the building. I get a few steps in and I feel like somebody is sitting on my chest, man. Long story short, I ended up ducking into the first bathroom I could find, hiding in a stall and sobbing. Because showing up in that building, walking through the doors, meant I had to acknowledge that everything that I was suffering was real. I couldn't fucking make jokes about it anymore. Like I couldn't just brush it off as like, you know, oh, I just got hit in the head one too many times. Like, no, this is your PTSD. And I'm sure that giving audience members, particularly veterans, service members in the audience, an opportunity to recognize that there might be something wrong inside of them through your comedy is a much more gentle transition into that I need help mindset. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think you nailed that. That's, that's a really good way of, like, that's, a, that's an awesome way to look at it. I don't know if it's true. I hope it is. But I, <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're coming up to you, man. Like they're, they're thanking you for what you're doing. I mean, it, it must be working, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And like, that's, that's definitely been like my favorite, my favorite part of it. Because for, for years, even when I like started like comedy in the army, I didn't, like I didn't do a lot of military stuff because I figured people wanted a break. Like we would do like some things where you do like impressions of the first sergeant or like, you know, like yeah. the characters and, and yeah, that stuff was fun. like that. But I think like I, it took me until like I was out for a couple of years to really make like jokes about like me being in the army. And like, then I kind of like, when I, when I started doing that, like that's when people started coming up and I'm like, Oh, this is, a, this is resonating with people and yeah. B, it's like kind of helping a little bit. And so that's when I kind of just was like, okay, well, I'm going to just kind of go straight at it. Nice. Makes sense. And that, this way too, the relevance behind it is that you have the experience and these, there's a lot of young guys, particularly that only spend their three or four years and they get out after being downrange twice or even once. The thing, the bottom line that people need to understand is downrange isn't what you think it is. If you're in an active platoon or company or battalion, that's, kinetic and it's not the best thing in the world and to figure out as a kid coming from wherever jersey or minnesota or you know montana this again like you talked about earlier is not the call of duty this shit's real those bullets they pierce and they hurt you know when you get blown up it's you're blown up and that's just the way it is but now to tell a young guy when you get home hey just go talk to somebody because half the people we talk to now it used to be three quarters were bona fide idiots they've never been downrange they had no idea what combat was really about and how to have influenced you in conversation to bring out the demons and with your comedy though these guys in the back are drinking some beer and they're relating because you're a veteran which veterans day is coming up next week you know so that's the piece here a lot of guys veterans relate to veterans those who've done it and those that can speak to it are those that are very successful in helping our young guys today and ladies you know our brothers and sisters in arms to make them better we all have, I don't give a shit who you are. You have demons. If oh, you have them. Yeah. And you, you're great. You got a wife. I mean, my wife should be a freaking therapist too. That chick. <laughs> but I mean, for as long as she has, but it was up my, my wife that said, Hey, you're, you're being a dick. You need to stop or take some drugs or do something, dude. Cause your shit's out of whack. And hence here I am today. You know, they, <laughs> they go happy fat dude just loves life. And, you know, has nothing to, to really be mad at nothing. You know, I live a good life. As you do, Pete. And, and Jamie, I mean, the thing about the three of us is that the common thought we have all this is the same. You know, now, how do we take this common thought and relay it to the public to say, okay, just because you're a civilian or you're a law enforcement or teacher or nurse or first responder, you need help? Reach out. Ask somebody. Talk to your buddy next to you, especially law enforcement. You know, I give them, you know, kudos because they do it every single day. And there's yeah. guys that are hard risk neighborhoods 
I mean, that's that's constant. That's your daily life. That's like being in Afghanistan, three consecutive tours, six months at a time, and you're fighting every time. Yeah. yeah. It gets ugly. But anyway, well, you were in well, for so I was in for I was in for seven years. Okay. I did uh, seven. That's the army thing, seven, seven and a half. Is that what they call that? Well, you know, seven, I half, think, seven year itch. Seven o'clock. I think seven. maybe. No, that's it's interesting that you say that because you know when for a long time it was your typical contract was about four years. Yeah. So you know that's what guys would jump on uh, and do. And you know the army's not like the Marine Corps where you get in and you just immediately hate it and everyone around you. A lot of soldiers kind of want to do it do another contract. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you go, all right, fine, I'll do one more. And then it's usually like a three-year, a four-year. It overlaps a little bit so that, you know, exact seven years turns into like six and a half, seven and a half, eight, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's not that uncommon. It's yeah, just I, basic math, which, again, you know, the Marines aren't so good. <laughs> crowds. I, we eat crowds. I ended up on my f- – so I think I was like a year and a half in or so for my first deployment. And like they were doing the re- the retention thing, and I'm like, oh, like if I re up for six years, like I signed a six year contract initially. I'm like, okay, well, I can add like a year and a half and get like sweet chunk of cash or tax free cash. I just I did that. I'm like, why why wouldn't I? This is yeah. we're having a good time. Yeah, it's the same thing. I reenlisted overseas. I think it was like you know I was originally on a four and a half year contract, and then did another like four and change contract, but with the overlap. It ended up being like just about seven years in totem that I did, and the the deploy the bonus you know was tax free because I was overseas at the time. It was eleven grand in a bonus to, to extend for like what two and a half years. Nice. No brainer, man. Yeah, but my guys, my first trip in Iraq in 06, You guys are still in high school, but anyway, in 06, what happened is that we had two point four. I might be a little off. Two point four million dollars of reenlistment bonus. These kids were getting ninety thousand dollars tax free that was mostly eod though right i remember that in 2006 by the way i was not in high school i was i was wrapping up my first tour yeah um, i know you were i'm just <laughs> i'm trying to be a comedian you know that's why i'm not a comedian because i suck at it so you know you just kind of sit here and make sure <laughs> no but what i'm saying is that back then your eod recon uh, marsoc wasn't such a big deal at the time they're just getting started so all your specialty mos has got a good chunk of change that yeah. need to be downrange you know, engineers, like yeah. six figures sometimes. Yeah, hundred and ten thousand yeah. is the most I've ever seen a kid get. Wow, I don't yeah, think like, I've ever seen that, but I remember when EOD was like right around ninety. Yeah, I mean that's the thing too. If you look, even SF at the time, I have a lot of buddies that are, you know, as, as SEALs or SF, and they say it, the money they made. I got one bonus my entire twenty-six years. It was for five thousand dollars as a corporal. Wow, I'm like, wait, wait. You're getting $90,000 and I'm a, I'm a master sergeant and I got to look at this sergeant spent buy a brand new BMW before he gets home and paid cash for the damn thing. I'm like, dude, how much money you got? Oh, nothing. You know, there's a car payment and there's insurance. You got to put gas in this thing. Oh no, we're okay. I can, I can figure it out. A year later gets it repoed because it can't afford the goddamn thing. It's like, dude, I mean, this, but anyway, he didn't get repoed. I'm going to say that. He just couldn't afford to put gas in it. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is that, there's a common filter and finding that common piece today, especially for veterans that are having issues and afraid to ask those questions. And Pete, you being in the spotlight and platform you have is the perfect place for you to reach out and these guys gravitate to you and you give them soothing, give them some help or where to, you know, where to talk to somebody or go see a foundation. Well, you know, Pete, you're about to give them something spectacular on veterans day, right? You've got a, you got an album coming out. I do have an album coming out. I'm I'm very excited about it. It's called PTSD. I love, and that's spelled Pete TSD, right? Yes. I love that. That's amazing. I saw the cover <laughs> art. It it looks spectacular. Yeah, my my buddy uh, Frank Elliott out of uh, out of Las Vegas did the did the cover art for that, and uh, he's he's also like my my uh, uh, tattoo artist and stuff like that, and just okay. phenomenal. Like hell yeah. It's just so good. So I was, I was really happy to have him uh, to, to kind of do that. And he like nailed exactly what I had in my head. Perfect. Perfect. So what, 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 what like made you want to do an album that uh, like, I know when I was a kid, oh my God, comedy albums were like the biggest thing. You had the beastie boy, or, or excuse me, the jerky boys, Adam Sandler and his thing, like comedy albums were it. And you don't see him that much anymore, and I miss it. So, like, what what made you want to do this? So, I, I think some of it was that it was like 
because I, I remember the same thing. Like everybody would be like, you know, sitting around in like sixth grade and they would have like the disc man yeah. and like the rich kids had the anti-skip ones. Like, cause I had the idea for, for this set of material. I, I think I had gotten it to a point where I was ready to like, like as many people to see it as possible. Yeah. Originally I, I started very lofty. I'm like, you know what? Like, I want to see if I can film a special in Afghanistan, like do a USO show for the troops and, you know, film it. And just, you know, I, I thought that would be amazing. And then like the war ended. Stomping on your dreams. Yeah. I, it was the closest I ever felt to like a government contractor. I'm like, Oh, I could have, <laughs> this could have been really good for me. And so I, I figured that, yeah, I just, I felt like it was ready to, to kind of like do this material and, and put it out there and then kind of like creatively, you know, keep, keep going further on like new jokes uh, and kind of retire these ones from my live set for a bit. And so I thought an album would be a really good way to, to do that um, because comedy is a very good audio medium. Uh, and a lot of people I know are like releasing specials and things like that to YouTube. Uh, and I recorded this as um, like with that intent as well. But I, I just think the format is going to work better as an album. I think it's something that, you know, you don't have to look at me to get it. And so I, I thought that that would be really fun. And I do kind of regret like not putting in like those fun, like skit bonus tracks, like between, oh, yeah. but this was a live recording I did at Stand Up New York. So it was, it was really cool. I had a lot of like military like friends in the audience, like, one guy flew in from Colorado, which was amazing. And it was just, it was awesome. So I got to like do the show for like my friends, my family, like a pretty good sized crowd. And like, I got to like reconnect with like people I hadn't seen in like a decade. Oh, that's and amazing. it was awesome. And so I'm just really happy and wanted to, to kind of put that out. And then uh, I also want the, the album to like, you know, hopefully help people, you know, like, cause if you hear it on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, and it helps you, like, that's amazing. But the, like my proceeds from the album are, are going to be donated to Headstrong Project wow. um, so that it, you know, can do direct help as well. That's, that's incredible. I, I cannot say enough good things about Headstrong. My girlfriend and I both were, uh, were I was referred to Headstrong uh, by a Marine buddy of mine. And, and for people, for people who don't know, the Headstrong Project is a, is a nonprofit that provides free counseling to service members and their dependents. Is that, is that an accurate summation? It is. And it's not yeah. just like three free sessions. Like I, I had the therapist I saw through Headstrong for, for years and it yeah. was, it was incredible. And I, I only stopped seeing that therapist because I, I felt like I'd gotten to a point of comfort with my PTSD and, you know, okay. I was able to like I it's like I'm still a work in progress, but like I, I kind of got to the Aren't point. Aren't we where, all? Like, yeah, um, shit. Are we all? Where you know I could recognize like okay like you know these are like the signs that like my depression is creeping up again and like mm -hmm. here are the things I can kind of do, um, and then I, I had like other things that I kind of wanted to to kind of work on for myself, and so um, a, another therapist seemed like a better fit for that, um, but okay. I. But like Headstrong was was fantastic, and like I I can't say enough good things about them. And now you have certain... one of the most amazing things about Headstrong is that you, you know when I when I first started started doing that, I believe I was I was seeing someone what was more you know talk therapy, and then like you said, if you're interested in in you know shifting gears, they've got people for whatever you want. I started seeing someone who specializes in EMDR, which I think stands for Eye Movement Data Recovery, that horrible keep your eyes on the dot and you know relive a flashback until this like it's like headache. dude like, it's yeah. exhausting it it's is exhausting, but it works it, it works and, it's, so <laughs> and it, it's evolved so much over the years the first time i did it was i was it was in person it was in like 2006 after my first tour and dude if the session lasted 30 minutes i needed like two and a half hours i needed like an hour to psych myself up you know, an hour for this session, which included 30 minutes of EMDR, and then like an hour to sob in my car in the parking lot before I drove home. <laughs> it was just that exhausting. But no, they, they've, they've modified it uh, uh, a lot. And, you know, there's different ways to do it. And now it's, it's less about reliving the experience and more about just sort of identifying a snapshot of the experience and, you know, exploring what that snapshot makes you feel about yourself and the rest of the world and the people around you and, and sort of, you know, getting through it that way. Definitely. It's, 
like yeah i i really enjoyed well i enjoyed as a strong word um but i really benefited <laughs> from uh from the emdr and, and the first time yeah. the first time that they did it like they had like because uh, you can do it with your fingers or you can do it with like a yeah. little light bar like a pen. and like i like they didn't tell me like what was happening um and like they're like oh like we're just gonna do and all of a sudden like the light bar starts going and i'm like oh, am i being activated like did i get like some jason <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna like, the shot you got yeah. a glowing orb out of your nose but yeah. it, it really i i don't know like what the cheat code is but it it works it it did like phenomenal <laughs> stuff for me yeah now do you find you ever get your indicators of like for me there's certain things that kind of put me in trigger me I guess it's the word I can use politely that triggers me. And one of the things is people that are impolite. If I see someone being an asshole, I got to, I have to just go up and say, Hey, why are you being an asshole? Or the, the best part is you're if I'm in a crowded place and somebody who I don't know wants to go up and like grab my shoulder or grab my arm. And unfortunately, if I'm not medicated, we're throwing fists because just it's a reaction that gets called. So you have those pieces where you see, okay, Hey, Shit's starting to get bad now. I need to walk away from, pull yourself away from that situation and kind of go sit with guys that you can talk to or just kind of forget what's happening right here. So for me, I'm, I'm still, I'm still figuring some of those out. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm realizing that that's what that is. I had a really weird one a couple, uh, like a couple months ago. Um, my wife and I, like we went with her family to uh, this restaurant in Nashville, uh, Nashville that's like Middle Eastern. Uh, and the food was really good, but then like I ordered the bread, like the uh, like the flat bread. Yeah, yeah. And the second I ate it, I'm, I was I was just like right back. I'm like, oh, this is like common food. Shit. I'm like, yeah. this is like legit. Like this is like you went to the bazaar and you uh-huh. gave somebody you know a dollar and they gave you fifty loaves of the bread. Like, I'm like. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm back, and it was it was like crazy because I hadn't had like something that strong in public, and I'm like I'm I'm gonna go like just kind of take a walk or or something like that. But um, and like for me, it's mostly it's mostly like sensory stuff. Like so, there's a couple sounds, there's a couple smells. Like <laughs> like propane will get me sometimes, unless like, but it's like, but you kind of learn to get control over it. Um, and so like I know for a while like for a while it was like you know fireworks to a small extent but i'm like oh it's not the bangs it's like there's like certain fireworks that like the zip hit yeah yeah it's like the zip but i'm like oh that sounds like a mortar and i'm like so that's that's what gets me but like if i'm if i'm like with people and we're shooting off fireworks like i know what to expect and so okay like that's right because you're behind the wheel you're in the driver's seat exactly and as long as i'm in the driver's seat like if i'm grilling uh like I'm like, I'm going to smell propane. Like, that's fine. But if I like smell it out of nowhere, like then I start to get like a little. Grilling. Cause my, my, my very first combat flashback was, was while we were still overseas. My, my first firefight ever. Um, long story short, uh, three AKs and a pistol opened up on, on my team uh, through a windshield. That was like maybe, maybe two meters in front of us. Oh, and shit. I dumped, uh, I dumped a 200 round belt into the car with my saw. Uh, my tracers ended up lighting the seats on fire. Um, and three of the dudes you can imagine were dead before I stopped firing. One of the I guys, why. yeah, one of the guys got out and escaped. We got him, no worries. But those other three dudes just cooked in the car. And there were ordinances in the trunk that started cooking off. And, uh, you know, it was a crazy night. I, I, I barely processed any of it. I mean, I, I forgot a lot of it for a long time until I started, you know, putting it back together with, with other dudes. But, you know, fast forward six or seven months into the, into the tour, we're in solder. We had, we had invaded and, you know, maintained a foothold. We had a patrol base we were, we were living off of and uh, we're coming in on patrol and log pack brought us a bunch of like burgers and, and grilling shit. Uh, and this dude, Sergeant Dorsey's out there, you know, flipping burgers and I caught a whiff of the, the the charred meat coming off the grill, and I just collapsed and started fucking vomiting. And I'm like, it, it was like you said, the sensory man. Like I never, I didn't have time to smell those dudes in the car cooking, but in that moment, I did, and yeah. it was vivid and it was horrific. And <clears throat> this day, like like if I'm if I'm grilling, cool, I know it's coming. 
but if I get a whiff of like charred meat that I wasn't expecting, I you know, still get a little gaggy over it. Oh, I can imagine. Mushroom <laughs> soup is my my thing. Yeah, because burnt, no one. <laughs> yeah, it, it has that familiar burnt body smell. If you if you're sitting there cooking, you're kind of it gives that kind of stimulus to it. The guy, it makes okay. Nope. Okay, well, I'm going to use that okay. as my excuse now for mushroom soup. Yeah, I give me flashbacks. <laughs> just give me a smell, you know. I mean, people don't understand it. The smell of a human body burning is horrific. The odor is so you'll never forget that over ever in the rest of your life. I mean, there's just certain things that put you over, but I guess it comes down is that what kind of inspirates you for your your material? How do you get new material or get materials related to what you're trying to do with your message? So that kind of depends uh, a little bit like a lot of times a lot of times my material kind of comes like conversationally so like I'll be talking with friends and you know we'll stumble across something like funny and I'll like kind of write it down and then figure out a way to a because I don't I don't want my stuff to just be like oh I was talking to my buddy and we said like because like you know that's a podcast and I, I can do yeah. that and that's that's fun but I, I try to come up with a way for it to still feel conversational but also you know like a story and so Pointed it, and deliberate. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I try to do stuff like that a lot of times. Like it's it's very hard for me to just like sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, I want to write a joke about this. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah. I don't know so, how people do that stuff. Yeah, I, I'm I don't know how they like some of that stuff is is crazy. So a lot of times I'll I'll think back of like uh I, I like to tell a lot of stories. So I'll I'll look back at you know some of the funnier moments from the army. And um, just kind of, just kind of go from there, and then be like, okay, like how can I make this, you know, great for veterans, really good for everybody else, um, and and just kind of like tell the story in a way that's like, because obviously, like sometimes like a couple of the details like have to change. Yeah, but exactly. like, <laughs> but I want it to be, you know, like still authentic, and like yeah. I never want somebody to like hear it and be like, oh no, that's like completely full of shit. And, uh, and so I, I try to do it that way. And then I just, yeah, I just kind of think about how I would, how I would say something. Um, because I, I think that like my personality kind of bleeds into my comedy. And so it, it makes it a lot easier to, um, to kind of just be like, oh, like, cause I, I always like to feel like I'm a friend telling a story. Yeah. But yeah, I watched a couple of your, your episodes and, I was amazed at how you bridge that gap between the, the military guys or veterans. And, you know, I'm not saying this to be mean, the, the civilian, the average civilian, okay, non-veterans, how's that? And how you get them, you capture them in your audience with your jokes because it's relatable to both parts of your audience, if you think about it. I mean, that's that's got to be hard as hell just to be able to do that. Go up there and say, okay, majority non-veterans, but I have some veteran stuff in here. How's it going to work? I mean. How do you well, get over that? How do you do that? So that that took me that took me years yeah. um, because that was that was originally why I didn't want to do military material because I was really afraid of being like pigeonholed mm -hmm. and <laughs> being like like I didn't want to just be like you know the Larry the Cable guy of like Army comics mm -hmm. where it's like I just like I have like my shtick and that's and that's that I wanted to be a comic that was in the mm -hmm. army. Right. And so eventually, like a lot of it ended up coming because like I would be like on the road with like, you know, civilian comedian friends and we just like start talking and I'd like, you know, talk about like some of the practical jokes I played or anything. And he's like, why isn't this in your act? And so it was kind of figuring yeah. out, like, OK, like they they get it. And then, yeah. you know, I can kind of lean into it. I try to make sure that it's going to be good for a military audience or like a non-military audience first and that it's like digestible. Because I want everybody to enjoy my shows, but then I, I like to throw a couple extra like details in there that you know will fly over some people's heads, but like the military will, will get pretty quickly. Cool. I like that approach. That's 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 smart. Because like you know, we we all we've heard the EAS song. We love the EAS song. But dude, if you didn't serve, that doesn't mean anything to you. You're not gonna that get it. Shit. And, you know, we can sit here and make jokes about like, oh, yeah, I was in the MRAP on BIOP and this uh, APC comes rolling. But like, no, nobody who didn't serve is going to get anything that you're saying. And then it's but, just, you know, you're, you're patient to a dead audience. It's landing on, on deaf ears. 
I think it's funny too. You probably have you gone to like to a club and you see a bunch of dudes, maybe because uh, I'm not a comic, I see this all the time. They're they're telling stories with each other, and some of them you got the people around them kind of looking at them going, "What the what what the hell are they talking about? Who an RP? What I, I fell into what? Dips, you know, you're in the weed line. What the hell is a reed line? Um, just yeah. high grass. How's that? <laughs> you know, you get to that point where you kind of have you ever got on stage and it just wasn't a good night? Oh, I've, that's a question I would ask. Oh yeah, I I have bombed like horribly sometimes. Did that like bother you? Like, oh no, I need to go back and you change my material. I need to do this, this, and this to probably get. Do you do that, or is it really fuck with you? So it, it kind of depends. Like, if I like everybody is gonna have like the off night sometimes. Like, oh yeah. Every once in a while, like, like I I don't like to blame the audience a lot of times, but like sometimes like you and them are just like they're not for you. You're not for them. And it's not that they're a bad audience. It's just that you know they're vegetarians and you're serving me. Like <laughs> so, usually like having a one-off, like it's rough. Like one thing that's helped me is like I kind of embrace the suck. Like if all of a sudden like the jokes like stop working, I just kind of like lean into it. I'll just like I'll like shit on myself. Like I'll I'll kind of like go from there. And that usually like at least gets people to acknowledge. And they're like, okay, like we don't like your jokes. You can still be kind of funny, but like if that doesn't work either like you just kind of you, you can't take it personally like if if you're doing like new material and you're getting that you know five nights a week like then it's like oh your jokes are probably trash like you should, uh, you should rework those but if it's just like a one one-off thing like sometimes like you're just not feeling it and like the delivery's not there and it feels like scripted instead of sincere and so like things like that happen it just but it it, it does suck that pride piece there you know I'd, I'd be pissed if i sit up there i couldn't t- i couldn't be a comedian because i don't know how to write to begin to begin with you know i'm a marine yes i eat crowns yeah and my I've brain is in the too, I know. dude I, so I tell people they like well numbers and starting and you know working companies and stuff like that i'm great at but tell me to write a letter and spell it correctly and have the punishment fuck no dude no, that's why we have spell check and we have grammar check for shit like that. Stu can't. Yep. I can talk my ass off and probably tell some of the stupidest shit known to man, but to write it down and be able to remember it, no, ain't happening. Well, I'm if sure you, you ever need a ghostwriter for your memoir, Stu. Let me know. I'll, Jamie, you have no idea, brother. When I get up there to Virginia, yeah, I'm gonna have you sit down <laughs> and teach me how to fucking write. But now, how many of your friends come up to you and say, "Come on, Pete, tell us a joke. Come on." And how many times do you say, "Look, man." I'm Tell me a joke, clown. Yeah. <laughs> Show me something, please. Do something you know, funny, clown. <laughs> to me, it's got to be taunting sometimes because all your friends know you're a good comedian. If you've never seen this gentleman, you need to get on and watch it. It's passed up before if you don't get his album. But get his album, though, at least. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be funny. I'm going to get it. Anybody I interview and they got like a book or something, I end up buying it and reading it. I've read more books in the past two months, and I can't read half of them because I can't understand it. Those words are three or four letter words, dude. They just fuck me up. I'm trying to sound them things out like of, O V O O something. I have no idea. He's like, there's no pictures in this. <laughs> yes. What? Wait, nope. Take it back. <laughs> just sign the front. But yeah, I'm sure you get that all the time, Pete. You have to. Yeah, I, I do. Like a lot of times, like when I start like a new job too, like they'll find out, and then they're like, oh, like could you do like comedy like during like one of our meetings? I'm like. No. <laughs> no. Are you Please gonna pay me more on those days? Yeah, that's the thing. Hey, I here's my rate. I'll send you a rate sheet before you do any more interviews. That's what you need to do now. You say, yeah. here's my rate sheet. I'll talk to you for this. I'll tell you jokes and talk to you for this. And then it's like a package deal. You have three levels. Which one do you want? Which Pete do you want today? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But anyway, continue. I, I was digressing myself there for a second. Oh, no worries. Um, but yeah, like every once in a while people do that. But it's it's kind of like, like lately people don't do it. I don't know if that's like, if I should be insulted or or not. But a lot of times I like to do, I, I like to come back with like the, oh, like, what do you do? Can I, can I get that for free? Yeah, no um, shit. <laughs> yeah. My time is money and money is spent well when I get it. But, right. but usually, like, if, if I'm with my friends, I'm, I'm making jokes all the time anyways. It's just, you know, the little shooting stars that you got to, like, catch them or they're gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, does any of your comedians that you travel with or do other work of prior veterans? I used to, like, when I was in New York, and now that I'm in Nashville, I want to I wanna get something going here because I, I know there's a lot of people around Campbell and things like that. 
Um, but I used to do like military fundraiser shows, um, usually around Veterans Day, and it would be all veteran comics on the lineup. So we would have yeah. like a couple like Air Force guys. Um, we had Jim Twos from the Coast Guard, who is like phenomenal, like Derek Humphrey from the Navy. Like there were just a lot of really awesome like military, like uh, Lynette Palladino is active duty in the army or she's, I believe in the reserves now, but it's still like, you know, going out and doing it. And she's, she's a f- fantastic comic. So we would, we would try to do that as, as much as possible. And then, uh, but I, I try to keep a good mix of like civilian comics and stuff like that too. But if I'm booking a show, that's like, you know, a military fundraiser, I try to really like highlight like, okay, these are all people that, you know, were in at some point. Well, that's, I mean, that's good to have that ability to be able to go, you know, have this difference between having friends that are not military, but know your background and have guys that were in the military because you kind of can banter a lot. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the Army and the Marine Corps, we we banter each other. That's just the way it is. You know, you guys go in and fuck everything up and you make us stay behind and, oh, that's right, and then try to clean everything up. We don't, but anyway. And it, you know what Army stands for, right? You can use this in one of your shows, Pete. Come on, oh, you got to hear this. I, I feel like I have, but I can't remember it. Army stands for ain't ready to be Marine yet. So you can use that in your next, uh, what's it called? Which I think is a joke. I, I forget the SEALs in the Air Force one we had for it, but yeah, use that in your next skit. I like it. You love that. Well, you you the one skit I watched, you said, yeah, I was in the Army. I was a bad soldier. I was the worst soldier ever. I mean, I just, you know, I'm like, I really, bit. too? I don't get, you, sometimes it's, it's easier to bag yourself and you get better laughs, I think. I mean, I know because I'm kind of a jokester, but not in the, you know, the caliber you are. But it's just easier to on-site jokes, you know, out of nowhere. Like you said, the shooting stars you catch every once in a while. So it's kind of cool. Um, I was going to say, yeah, a lot of the stuff I do, like, because, like, A, it's, like, my experience. And B, like, like, I'm a big, reasonably muscular, like, tattooed guy with, like, beard. But then, like, if you talk to me for, like, two seconds, you're like, oh, this is the softest man on the planet. And, teddy bear. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge teddy bear. And so I... I started kind of talking about that because I, I think everybody, like, as soon as I said, like, I was in the army, people were like, I don't believe him. Yeah. Like, like, when I would be like, I was in the military, and so I'd be like, no, like, I, I wasn't good at it. Like, and then it's, you get kind of like that funny, like, juxtaposition. Pretty true. Like, I, I was, like, not aggressive. Uh, like, not like the the alpha guy. Like, I would, like, it was just, um, so it was, it's kind of fun to, to kind of, like, do that and like that's pretty representative too of like you know what what was really going on was you know all these guys that were running around like kill 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 i'm like this is like kind of weird guys yeah <laughs> that's why we have psychiatrists here like, that's the thing we help we tell these young guys we talked about last time these young kids just don't get it you know they're down like kill 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 so you get them down range and i tell a story all the time they're standing behind an AV and they're like I'm like what are you guys doing oh they're shooting at us top well, no shit, dude. You're in combat. This ain't Call of Duty. That shit's real and sitting in front of your feet, you know. But it's it's just great that you have somebody like yourself out there. One, pressing a word for suicide awareness. There is help for everybody, and we all know that. And then two, putting this album out for one yourself to to grow. You got any shows coming up anytime soon? You know, like live shows next month. Uh, I'm going to be featuring for Jean Marco Cerezi at uh, the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga. I believe that is December eighth. Um, and so that that's going to be a really fun show that i'm looking forward to and then i'm trying to get my uh trying to get some stuff on my calendar for for next year i'm doing a bit of traveling like between november and december so uh a bit fewer shows uh, but i'm i'm trying to kind of like push the album and 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 kind of go from there um and i'll be out doing a lot of shows around nashville i'm sure like pretty pretty shortly now this this album is going to be released on November 11th, right? Pete, yes, PSD? yeah, because I love a gimmick. Yeah, I can tell. Veterans Day, I'm surprised you just do a day before the Marine Corps birthday would be nice too. But anyway, I actually recorded cool. it on the Marine Corps birthday. Yeah, yeah, really? right. <laughs> hey, we got we got a big big uh, podcast coming up on the 10th and 11th, so I'm, I'm excited to see that. So where can I get this album, Pete? Where can I get information about you to see where your next concerts are at, as well as What's going on? Uh, Instagram at Pete Stegmeyer. I'm on Twitter at It's Peter J. And then you can get the album pretty much wherever they're sold. Um, I know 
like iTunes, Apple Music is is a big platform for that. Yeah. Um, like I think it's going to be on Amazon Music. It should be on all of the main uh, distributors. Yeah. Um, Spotify, I think it's going to be on there, but they get a little weird with comedy, uh, and they end up pulling a lot of uh, comics albums for some reason. So I I don't know. It'll it should be on there November 11th, but I I can't guarantee that it's not going to get pulled. But I'm not 100 percent <laughs> sure how that's going to work. Well, that'd be great. You, you put it out, and all of a sudden, only Spotify is the one that pulls you for some damn reason. You don't know why. It's yeah, always I, about freaking money, dude. It's just like, why? It's funny because like I got I got banned from Facebook like a month ago because uh, I, I have a podcast about like heists and and scams. Yes. Uh, and it's it's fun. Like I really like it a lot. Um, but because I was always like posting about like you know criminal organizations and stuff like that, like I got hit by like the dangerous individual and organization oh. banhammer. Come on. And so I'm like, I was like, I don't like, I make all my threats on Twitter. Like I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think now you can. I, I think, yeah, I think, I think, think now. For threats and hate speech now. So, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get that back up and hopefully you can uh, find me there soon as well. But yeah. uh, for right now, it's like Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, you can just search my name and I've got a lot of my material up there and I should be adding, adding more as I go too. Well, that's fantastic. You got anything else, Jamie, before we start wrapping um, up? Yeah, you know, just I want to want to say again, you know, thank you for what you're doing. This album is going to be amazing. I, I am so stunned that the proceeds are going to Headstrong. I think that's amazing. People who are interested, you can you can get connected to Headstrong at uh, theheadstrongproject.org. We'll try to put a put a link up so you can you can get yourself over there. But no, that's all I got, man. Pete, this is this is amazing. This has been so fun. Like, thank you so much for the opportunity to like get to talk to you guys and like promote a little bit about what I'm doing and you know the album. Uh, I definitely like my my goal is to make it to the number one spot on on comedy and iTunes for that day. I think the album cover is like alluring enough. Like, if you see it like in your feed, you might like you might check it out. And if it like gets people to like click on it, listen to it, and identify with the message, like you know, that's, that's all I really want. Like, I'm, I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this to, to try to help uh, our brothers and sisters that, you know, might not know they need help. Uh, and so I'm just like, thank you so much for letting me kind of like push that a little bit and uh, work on that mission. Absolutely, no, we, man. Yeah. We, Absolutely. we thank you very much for coming on. And I, I digress. Continue, Jamie. I'm sorry. I had to stretch my I was going to say the, uh, the <laughs> album again is called Pete DSD, correct? Yep, PTSD. It, out, uh, yep. it comes PTSD. out on November 11th, Veterans Day, impossible to forget. Yeah, go out there and get it. Go out there and get it. You're going to love it. You're going to have a great time listening to it. You probably want to, you know, reminisce with your buddies about your time in service after listening to it. And you're contributing to an amazing cause, to an amazing organization that helps a lot of tremendous people. Yeah, Pete, uh, again, uh, we'll keep pushing on our end as well. And I'm hoping that it does very well. I'm sure it will. It, you, folks, you need to go out and listen to them. He's funny as shit, and some of the things that said, I just, I don't laugh a lot at comedians. I just don't. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, some of the things you said, I was kind of like, yeah, I like this guy. But you know, for, for no, you, you had me belly laughing, man, yeah. when I was when I was catching up on your work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the best part yeah. about this doing this is that you get to do background, check it, see how they are, and then look at their uh, their albums or look at their episodes and stuff, and get a good chuckle at it. Sometimes we don't get chuckles out of some of the people that we talk to, but that's part of this big world here. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes really some matter. of these jokes make us cry, and then we've you know got yeah. a couple of weeks to uh, shit we got to deal with with our, yeah. with our therapist that we can. I, yeah. I have been there. Like some of my first like smoke pit shows, like I, I had a platoon one time like say that they were going to go on patrol early, and like that that hurt. Like because that's you know like. My jokes were worse than patrol. Yeah, they want to go to patrol and listen to your jokes. They're like, yeah, we're gonna, we're just gonna like speed this up. Like, we're gonna push it to the left by an hour. Let's go. Yeah, hitting that old IED laden trail. Yeah, where's that rock clears? Oh, we don't need it right now. We saw a couple guys digging. We're gonna go do somersaults on Route One. Yeah. That is not patrol. You just cover your eyes and start stomping until something blows up. Yeah, until I hear a click, and then it's, that's yeah. all she that's all she writes. But again, Pete, it's been great having you on the show. I look forward to your album because I'm definitely going to get on it. And if there's anything we can do, we'll definitely get you back on again, especially after your album releases. Awesome! I if you want to talk about that, that. yeah, that'd, and, that'd be amazing. Again, too, folks out there, it's just 
this is more of the of comedy to help you relieve yourself. Everybody's got issues. So make sure if you got them, you go talk to somebody about it. If someone tells you, hey, you're being a dickhead, there's probably a reason why they're telling you that. So go out and see somebody or, or make a phone call as well as comments. If there's something we're doing you don't like, please, I honor you to leave me a comment. I love it when people come in and they just troll us out. I get it. But uh, at the end of the day, Pete, thanks for joining me. Jamie, as always, I'll see you definitely next week, without a yes, doubt. And, and again, looking for our next episodes of the Smoke Pit. This is Stu, the Gray Beer Veteran. I'm out. Take care. Right, thanks, on. guys. Be good, brother. Thank you.